Okay, so today's episode is going to be about relationships, and I didn't really make an outline or anything. I did jot down like a couple things I wanted to hit on, um, but essentially I'm just going to say like what makes or breaks a relationship, uh, things like from your past, um, your upbringing, and how it affects your relationships with others, and what that means um, for you, and ways that you can kind of combat any of your childhood or adolescent I wouldn't say like insecurities but I would say things that were unresolved maybe and how you kind of work past those um so first off I wanted to start off with the parenting styles and how um, it affects an individual's or a child's communication um, with other people so there's three different parenting styles um and I'm not saying that your parents are the reason for (laughs) your relationship issues it's just kind of like a theory and like one psychological way to look at um, relationships and how they work but uh, as far as parenting styles there's three different ones that psychology notes and it's the authoritarian the authoritative and then the passive parent so those are like three different styles of parenting Um, So the authoritarian, if you didn't already know, uh, that's the most strict one. So they have a bunch of rules that they enforce with like little leeway. They don't really, um, they don't really explain like why they have these rules set. Um, They just kind of say like, you can't do this. You know, these are your limitations and that's, that's that, you know, no like real explanation. They just enforce these rules. Um, so that is the moral compass that's guiding these children and, um, and what that kind of means for communication, it's, they might feel, they might be like a, it might create a shy and introverted child who, um, just all they know is to follow the rules and, um, when they meet other people, they're just kind of like withdrawn socially and, um, they don't want to mess up. So they kind of just are seen as like the observer in most social groups. And um, how that relates to what this topic is, is the communication style that you have in your home is usually the communication style that you have with like your romantic partner and just like your friends. So that's something to reflect on. Um, So that's with the authoritarian parent. Uh, Of course, there's literally no communication going on. It's a lot of just like, you have to do this because I said so. Um, And then there's the I'm going to skip the authoritative and go to the passive parent. The passive parent really has no rules. They're just like, you know, do whatever you want to do. Um, I don't care. It's kind of, in a way, it's like an absent parent, maybe a little neglectful. Um, So since they're not, they're not given any rules, they're like, okay, well, I can, I have a bunch of freedom, but I don't have like a sound moral compass because you didn't raise me to have one so in this sense I it's a lot of um if there was no rules really guiding this individual they may be a little antisocial and not in the sense of like they're shy but they're just they have no filter they say things that are inappropriate um they really have nothing guiding their morality so when they're talking to other people it's I want to say that it's a lot of times it's inappropriate and it just like doesn't it doesn't go over well like they 
didn't have roles in the home. All they know is that they can say whatever they want to say. And so that really does impact their relationships with other people. Um, and then the last one, the reason I skipped it was because this is usually seen in like psychology textbooks and psychology that the authoritative parent is the best parent because <clears throat> they have roles, but they also explain the roles and they're honest with their children. They're like, you can't do this because A, B, and C. These are the reasons why you can't do this. But they also give them leeway to do things as well. Um, and they give their child the independence to make their own decisions with all the knowledge that they have. For example, talking to them about teen pregnancy and saying, you can be sexually active, but these are the repercussions if you don't use protection, um, you know, STDs or pregnancy. So they're really honest with their children saying that they discourage the activity at a young age and these are the reasons why, but they leave the freedom up to the child. They're really honest with the child um, throughout the years and um, they're honest about the different things they can use, like contraception and all of that stuff. Or if they talk about drugs saying, you know, drugs are fine, but uh, you may be susceptible to addiction or, you know, health concerns later like in, in adulthood. So that's the honest parent who doesn't enforce rules. So it's almost as though they have a moral compass and they understand why they have it. They're free to make their decisions with all the knowledge that their parents give them. So how that relates to other people is their communication styles are going to be probably more open. And uh, when they're talking about their feelings and trying to express themselves, um, they won't shy away from confrontation you know they'll say you made me feel this way because of this reason and I don't want to hurt your feelings but at the same time this is what you did to me so they're very like open communicators um in contrast to the socially withdrawn person who's probably just going to say you know what I don't even want to address this issue I'm just going to keep it bottled up and the passive person will probably say it but without any or the child with the passive parent their communication style will probably just be like, I'm going to say it anyway, I have no filter, um, and not really, you know, say it in a tactful way, which ends up hurting the other person. So I would say, like, communication style is really important um, and something to really think about and reflect on when you're in a relationship. And like I said, I'm not blaming just the parent on communication styles, but definitely whatever communication uh, reinforcers or whatever communication style was in the home or, you know, maybe even in school life, uh, is really going to be reinforced throughout adulthood if nothing is intervened or if nothing intervenes with, uh, maybe like, um, a maladaptive way of discussing or a maladaptive communication pattern. So, it's important that you like reflect on those things. Like, how am I as a communicator um, reflecting on? I'm not saying to go home and like blame your parents for the reasons you don't know how to communicate at all, but it's just something to be self aware of when you're thinking about yourself. Um, another thing that I wanted to discuss so that was parenting styles and communication patterns and how they translate to romantic relationships or even just friendships. Um, another thing is like your own perception of yourself. So if you have a ton of insecurities, you're susceptible to being um, a control freak or someone who um, projects a lot of their insecurities onto their partner. 
Um, so it's good to reflect on your insecurities before you go into a relationship, I would say. Um, I've definitely seen, like, just observing, you know, other people and realizing that it's always the people that are really good, like, really good partners, they're honest, they maybe came from a family where there were open communication, and then the other partner is just, like, insecure and um, didn't have positive reinforcement maybe growing up or wasn't told that they're good enough or maybe just didn't get a lot of good positive reinforcement. When they're together in a relationship, it's a lot of times, like, the person with more insecurities just, like, will make the other person's life a living hell. And if if they're not self-aware of their own insecurities, I'm not saying that you, or if you're an insecure person, a relationship isn't going to work for you, but it is good to be self-aware of them because you will start putting things into the, into your partner's head and just be like, you know, it's your fault that this isn't working out. You're cheating on me. They'll be jealous easily and we'll try to control whatever the partner does. And that is just like really unhealthy. So I think it's really powerful to be self-aware of your own insecurities because I'm sure like we all have insecurities. We're all insecure about something. Um, Maybe all of us are like on a self-love journey and we don't really even have any security at all. And that's okay. Like if you recognize that, you know, it'll be okay whenever you're in a relationship. Um, Another factor to consider is are you healed from a previous partner? before you're going into your next relationship? Or are you in a relationship even though you're not healed from a previous one? And I think that's like the most dangerous one because you're constantly comparing your current partner to your past partner and then like you're trying to make this partner fill the voids that are there because your other partner left you. And it just, number one, it's unfair to the partner and it's unfair to yourself because you didn't properly heal. And so you're probably constantly thinking about your previous partner. And that's just not helpful when you're, when you're starting something new. Um, so those are some things to think about, like when going into a relationship or what may your own weakness or what may be your own weaknesses when going into something new I think that ideally a person should heal from a partner before they go into another one because jump I mean naturally and intuitively it's probably makes sense to just jump into something new to distract yourself but distraction is not healing I mean you really have to see okay what was the lessons learned in this previous one how can I be better or what can I do for myself and sometimes it's about looking into yourself because another thing that I noted is that you attract what you give off and you attract what you are so if a toxic relationship has made you just like a really bitter and resentful person then you're going to constantly be looking for that um that's another thing actually that I I'm going off of a lot of different tangents but If you're not used to or you don't know what it's like to be in a healthy relationship because your home life wasn't healthy or you just don't know what it means to be 
in a healthy relationship period, you're going to constantly be chasing after people who aren't good for you. Um, Because you you don't know what it's like to be in something good. You're so used to the chaos. You're used to people mistreating you. Um, and so when something, when someone good comes along, if you're not healed or you just have all this toxicity and resentment and bitterness and you're not healed, then you won't see the person for what they are. You know, that's a lot of times why people are saying, I don't understand why he doesn't see my worth. Um, everything was going well. I mean, it has a lot to do with the other person. You know, you can't, a lot of times people will personalize these issues when it's not their fault it's the other person's fault because they a person will only meet you where they are with themselves and if they're just like this bitter person who has so many flaws and so many insecurities that they have no idea even where to or how to address them do you really think they're going to be open to a person who's has an open heart and who's ready to love you no Like, no. I mean, ideally we would want to believe that, but that's just not the reality of it. That person needs to heal within themselves before they even decide to love you. So that's, I mean, I hear every day, like almost every day or like all the time, like, I don't understand why it's not working out. Like, I'm a good person and I, he doesn't see me for what I am. He cheats on me, like, even though I do everything for him. And I'm like, sweetheart, like the reason he's doing these things is because he's not okay with himself. He's not, like, he's not there. He can't see your worth. He doesn't know what it's like to be in a good relationship. He's, I mean, like, a person who is, hates themselves, who's insecure, who doesn't have any form of self-love going on, and just (laughs) is really going nowhere in life, is not going to be the right person for you. Because again, and I'll say this again as much as it's intuitive to me, uh, a person's only going to meet you where they meet themselves. So if they don't love themselves or if they don't like, if they're depressed and they don't have any sort of self-worth, do you really think they're going to meet you there? Do you really think they're going to be able to open up to you and like love you? No, they have to heal within themselves. Like I said back earlier, you know, your own perception of yourself really does translate into a relationship you have to be good with yourself before you can be open-hearted and love someone else um and then this is like something I wanted to touch on is like while you're in a relationship while you're in a relationship these things are important like trust is huge trusting the other person um is basically lays the foundation for a relationship um Another important one that makes them last is similar interests and values. Like, I believe you have to have a lot of similar interests and a lot of, especially when it comes to your political views and your religious views. Uh, I don't think you have to see eye to eye on everything and you can be basically a different person. You can have different interests, but the, the saying opposites attract, maybe initially, but... If you want it to be long-lasting, you know, no, it has to be very similar values and interests. And if you want to, someone wants to argue that, then that's, I want to hear your, your rebuttal. But I think initially opposites can attract because it's something new and different. But in the long run, if you're trying to raise a, 
a whole ass family and kids. I mean, you you gotta have the similar interests and values, fam. Um, also, mutual energy and mutual love. Like you, I don't think long term something can last if one person is not as on board as the other one. Like, I think it always has to be mutual for it to be long-lasting. I mean, yeah, sure, you can be in a relationship where one person is more into you, but if it's way too more, if it's way more into you, mm-mm. Because uh, that person isn't putting just as much energy as you are, and then you get tired and you get exhausted because you feel like you're the one that's trying to keep this relationship intact, and that shouldn't, that should not be the case. Um... Another thing is you have to make the other person feel important, you know, like that's the part of being in a relationship is making the other person feel important, Uh, being interested in what they are, or if you're not, just at least saying, hey, like I'm willing to learn, I'm willing to listen to what you have to say. that I learned back in like my grad school program like the the concept is called gridlock and then uh, contempt uh, Gottman pos- poses this and he says that when you're kind of stuck in gridlock or um, you're contemptuous towards your partner like it's not going to work out very well because you're so entrenched in your beliefs about your partner like the little things that annoy you um or you just already feel like you have that thought of they're never going to change, um, then, you know, that that's dangerous. Because, I mean, it's not impossible to talk about these things, but if you guys are both just closed off to each other and you're just fixated on what you hate about each other and you never talk about these issues and you sweep them under the rug, I mean, they're always going to be under the rug and there's always going to be that contempt and it's easier it's for divorce to occur or for not, like, the healthy flow of communication. Like, communication is key in any relationship, which is kind of why I brought that up earlier. Like, your communication style is very important in a relationship with a friend or a romantic partner. I mean, you're not going to get anywhere if you just keep all of everything bottled up. That's why if you know, okay, I, I'm not good at confronting people, I'm going to try doing that more. I need to be more open to that. If you ever want to resolve your issues, I mean, the only way you're going to do that is discussing them and bringing them to the table. Because if you say, oh, well, it's not that important. I'll just, uh, it really is bothering me, but I'm just going to like hold on to it forever. Then another problem is going to happen. And the same thing, you're just going to build and build and build resentment until one day you just blow off on them, blow up on them. So it's like really important to be aware of your communication style. Like I talked about earlier, um, it's easy to get so lost in your own entrenched beliefs about your partner that you just end up hating them. And then you realize, I don't really know why, I just know I have like these ugly feelings towards them because we never talk about anything and we're strangers in the same room, in the same bed. Um, so those are just like some things to think about. Uh, I think what makes or breaks a relationship, what makes a relationship, like I said, is trust having similar interests and values, mutual energy and love, mutuality is so key. 
um, and then making the other one feel important, even if you're not interested in what they have to say, like, okay, try to be. They're your partner. They're the ones that you asked to marry them. And then uh, be aware of contempt and gridlock, which kind of goes back to the communication patterns that you have, the communication styles that you possess. You really need to work on them if you feel like you can't talk to your partner. I mean, we all have... No one loves confrontation. No one loves to talk about hard, difficult things. But if you run away from your problems, they're never going to get solved and it just leaves room for more. So that's just something to contemplate on on this Sunday afternoon. Thank you for listening.